0: We are starting our, our, our new series, and when we decided to do this series, what really hit my spirit and, and, and what I'm really hoping that we're able to grab onto throughout the next few weeks is I believe that God is uh, positioning us in a place where we are to start making declarations over our lives and over our families' lives. When is the last time you made a declaration over your life or your family's life? When is the last time you stood up and, and made a declaration to say, I'm going to believe God's Word and what God's Word says over what the world is saying and all the lies that you've bought into. And I believe that God has positioned us in a place in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of what's going on in the world, to make declarations over our, our lives. So when is the last time you made a declaration? I made a declaration last night. We were at a restaurant. My, my wife was getting the kids packed up and I declared I was gonna eat a piece of cheesecake before I left. I made a declaration. You are empowered to make declarations over your life. You are empowered to make uh, uh, to speak truth over, over your life. And I wanted to share uh, uh, just a couple of declarations, one that I've made over my life specifically, and a couple that we've made over our family, Sharon and I have made over our, our family's life, just to kind of prime the pump to get you thinking about these declarations. So for me, a, a personal declaration right now for my life is I will not, allow this pandemic nor the upcoming election to distract me from hearing from the Lord. That's a declaration I'm making over, over my life. Now, you, you don't just have to make declarations, or you shouldn't just make declarations over your own life. You should make declarations and, and speak truth over the people you're connected to, your family, right? So, so here's something that we declared over, over my family's life. Because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare my entire household shall be saved. I declare that my family is blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Goodness and mercy will follow us. Speaking that blessing over my over my life. I confess that my children are seekers of wisdom and understanding. They hold fast to your word and your ways. They treasure your commandments and they cry for discernment. The spirit of wisdom is poured out upon my children and my children's children. Then the words of wisdom are being made known to them. When's the last time you spoke a declaration of truth over your life or your family's life? It is time, church, to do that. And we're gonna begin to walk in, that, uh, walk in that, that, that purpose and that instruction over the next few weeks. And I want you to be praying. I want you to be thinking about these declarations and to not be afraid to pull your family unit together and begin to pray the things that God has spoken to you over your family's life. If you notice, when you came in the doors, you'll see a prayer wall that's out there uh, in, the, in the foyer. We put that up several weeks ago. And what we're asking you to do is as you make these declarations, we want you to take one of those ribbons and as a, as a, as a symbol, as an act of faith, as you pray with, you, with your family or, or for yourself, take that and tie that to that wall because that's a wall that we're believing those things to come to pass, right? We're believing those things uh, to, 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 to be declarations of truth over, over our life. Well, guys, I do not like Traffic. Anybody like traffic? Anybody enjoy sitting in traffic? If you know me uh, well, and I'm thankful that many times that I'm in traffic, I don't have anybody in the car uh, except for myself. And um, uh, but no, I'm not. I'm not a lover of traffic. I'm not. I do not enjoy getting into traffic. And in fact, when I find myself uh, in 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 a in a place of traffic, uh, I'm usually thinking, how can I get out of this? Uh, I would rather get off the interstate or get out of the traffic and take the longest route possible just so to know that I'm moving somewhere than to sit still in traffic and wait for somebody to get their act together, (laughs) right? Right? and get out of my way, right? Because when I'm driving, everybody else is an idiot, right? And, and so I'm, I'm driving, and I just want someone to get out of my way so that I can start moving. But most of the time, when I get off that exit or I try to find some sort of shortcut around the traffic, it ends up taking me much longer. I end up, uh, I end up facing m- many more obstacles, if you will, than if I would have just stayed put and been patient. If I would have just stayed put and just waited, man, how many times in life has God wanted me just to stand still and be patient, and I have created my own path, I've created my own way, and I thought that my way was going to trump what he had in mind. Today, uh, we, our last series, we were looking at Eugene Peterson's book, Run with the Horses, and though we're not going to obviously draw from, from that book uh, this, uh, this, this week, uh, we are going to draw from another book that Eugene Peterson was a part of, The Message, and the Message Translation from Matthew 7 says this, do not look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do it. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention, total attention. Boy, when's the last time I gave God my total attention? The way to life, to God, is vigorous. I love that, and requires total attention attention. Man, in life, when we try to take shortcuts, we limit his ability to complete his work in us. We limit God's ability to show us and to train us and to grow us. And if your experience is anything like my experience, when I think I have successfully created a shortcut, I end up back at the starting point because God's not gonna let me move on to the next thing until I learn what I was supposed to learn in the first place. So what happens is, is I delay my growth because I think that my way is better than his. And so shortcuts limit his ability to complete his work in us. And sometimes we are, most of the time, we are supposed to go through the obstacle instead of around it. Most of the time, God is calling us to a place where we face the obstacles in front of us. We face the situations in front of us. And he, he desires to equip us to go through it because he's got something for us to learn in the process of going through that obstacle So to me, God seems to be as concerned about our journey as He is our destination. God seems to be as concerned about our journey as He is our our destination. The Bible is rich on how we are supposed to live our lives. If you were paying attention to, to Chelsea's uh, testimony in her video, which do you think God was probably at this moment in time most concerned with? Her, her, her getting into the race or her reconciliation to her father? Which one is more meaningful at the, at the moment? You know, God will make and clear a way for you to get there, but in the process from point A to point B, he's trying to get to you and get to your heart because he's after heart change to make us like his son. What is our destination? Knowing our destination will help us on the journey, wouldn't you say? Knowing where we're going. And, and many people would say, if you're a believer, our destination is heaven. If if heaven is our destination, boy, that's so shallow. That's so shallow uh, for God to send his son to make a way for it. That is such a shallow reason to send Jesus. No, God did not send his son Jesus so that we could get to heaven. He sent his son Jesus so that we could spend eternity with him. Heaven is a bonus package. Heaven is going to come with the the package, but boy, he did not send Jesus for us to be entertained by his stuff. He sent Jesus so that we could have a real relationship with him. How many desire that eternal relationship with this star-breathing God? Incredible. If this statement was not true, if this statement was not true, I believe we could live any way we wanted to live. If he was not concerned with the journey, we could live any way that we want to live. But we know that that's not true. Let's look at it this way, okay? If this rope represents your life, this rope is you. It's the essence of you. This rope is, is everything God has created you to be. It's the essence of you. It's, this is the essence of Kevin. This is, this is everything God had, had dreamed up when he thought Kevin. This is my life here on earth. The choices and the decisions I make in this determines what happens with the rest of this. The journey and what we do with our life is important. The choices we make are important. And God says to us, if the destination is him, there's not two ways to get there. There's not four ways to get there. There's not a hundred ways to get there. God says there's one way. One way, John 14, 6 says this, and Jesus is speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. And so there is one way, to this destination, and that is through Jesus. And, and our life is a journey of going through Jesus to get to our destination. Are you understand what I'm saying to you this morning? So when it comes to God making a way for, for us to become like Jesus, it really boils down to a question that we've entertained multiple times in this body and in my life and in your life, it's this. Who is in control? Who is in control? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. (laughs) If you want to see God move, follow his. If you're looking for God to move, follow his plan. It's sort of like Shark Tank. Have you seen the show Shark Tank? Who's seen Shark Tank? We're pretty familiar, okay? It's as if we have spent our life preparing to sell our brand, to sell ourselves. We've been spending time working up everything about ourselves, all the best that we could find, and we open the door and we're going in and we're about to make this presentation, but Jesus stands up before we even get to the spot and says, I'll take you. And I will pay the highest price for you. But I want 100% control. And most of us have spent most of our life trying to negotiate an 80-20 deal. (laughs) We've been in the background looking and trying to work out a 90-10. We don't want Jesus to have complete control. And there's a lot of sharks out there that would be willing to take you down. But their price will never be as high as what he will pay. What do you want? He said, Come on, give me 100%, 100%, and I will pay the highest price. Nobody can outbid me, says Jesus. Give me your life. Give me your life. Give me control. Give me control. You want to see me make a way? Give me control. Give me control. Jesus doesn't negotiate. Jesus does not negotiate. Fewer famous stories in Scripture when it comes to God making an obvious way, uh, fewer famous stories than, than the one of the Red Sea when, Jesus, uh, when God split the, the Red Sea using, using a man named Moses. And, and many of us know the story, but God calls, God calls Moses uh, after he has fled from Egypt. And God calls Moses and he appears to him in a bush That was burning. And the Bible says it was an all-consuming fire. So, I mean, it's like literally just there, flame, flame, flame. The bush isn't going away. And God is there in this bush and he's speaking to him. And he says to Moses, he says, Moses, I want you to go back to where you came from. And I'm going, I've got a master plan, says God. And I'm going to deliver my people out of the hands of Pharaoh. And I'm going to set them free from Egypt. And Moses responds with how so often we respond with pulling back into God I'm I'm slow of speech God I I can't I can't do this God I can't do this you want to send me We so often respond by evaluating our abilities when God never put that on the table And so the point that we need to understand here is that your inadequacy fuels God's ability. I hope that I am the most inadequate for God's plan of my life because the more inadequate I am, the more he's got to do what he does. The more chance there is of me getting out of his way. Whether you can or cannot do what God has asked you to do is not a prerequisite to our obedience to him. And when we obey him, he will supply, he will equip us and he will do the whole thing. We just have to be willing. God didn't send Moses so that Moses could make a way. God sent Moses so that he could make a way through him. And so you know the story and he goes back to goes goes uh, to, back to Egypt and he, and God is so isn't God so patient and gracious with us when we like argue with him? Has he ever been patient and gracious with you? And so he sends, his, his, he sends Aaron with him and lets him go to Pharaoh. And, and, they, and they say, listen, you need to let these people go. God's saying, let my people go. And God does some miraculous things. We, we refer to him as the 10 plagues of Egypt, right? Okay. So God does this miraculous work, these, these signs and wonders, these incredible, crazy just off the charts things, things that we couldn't even fathom, things that we probably would not live through, okay? Blood, turns the water into blood, sends frogs. Not like, not like five frogs, right? I'm talking about like frogs, frogs everywhere, right? Okay, gnats, Justin was talking about gnats, not one gnat, multiple, gnats everywhere, right? Flies, kills livestock, all the while protecting his people. Now, I want you to catch this. There can be chaos going on all around you and God will shield you and protect you from that. But the thing is, is you need to pay attention when he's doing that. Some of us have walked right through this pandemic unscathed and we don't understand God is shielding you and protecting you to be a part of his testimony in your life. There can be things going on all around you. And certainly I'm convinced that God showing off and and doing these plagues, I'm convinced that this was more so for God's people than it was for the Egyptians. And so he does all these things even to the point of taking the firstborn child and protects all of his people. And Pharaoh finally says, you can go. And when they go, if you read the scripture, the scripture says, not only did they leave slavery, they plundered Egypt, which means that they took the best of what Egypt had. They took all of the blessing. When God calls you out of something, when he pulls you out, it's always gonna be with a blessing. He's always gonna send you out with a blessing. And so they plunder, they've got a blessing. And then when they get out into the desert, he manifests his presence with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. So here you have Israel, okay? In bondage, in slavery, as the plagues were mounting, the brutality was worse, right? They are now set free. They're set free from Egypt. And what do they have? They have the presence before them. They have blessings beside them and they've got testimony behind them. They've got the presence before them. They've got blessing beside them, the plunder of Egypt. And they have all these testimonies, these plagues behind them. And then they come upon an obstacle. And this is what it says happens in Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up and saw them, Egyptians, coming after them. They were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us here to the wilderness to die? What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone here in Egypt? We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. Moses responds to them and says this, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today for you are never going to see them again. God will fight the battle for you. And then he says something I love. And you, you keep your mouth shut. Have you ever had somebody just wanna say, shut your mouth? Anybody? Anybody? Shut your mouth. I love this translation because I can only imagine the posture of Moses when he is seeing God manifest himself over and over and over and over again. And you come up to your first obstacle and you're ready to go back to that world of slavery. You're about you're ready to go back to where you were. Guys, our way will always lead to death. His way will always lead to life. The people were in a position to make a declaration that God will make a way. They had the presence, they had blessing, and they had a testimony. God's way is always better than our way. God's way is always better than our way because our way leads to death and His way leads to life. And when we come upon an obstacle He might have to split the Red Sea in order for us to get there. But we should rest in knowing that he has the capability and the power to do so if we will just exercise faith. Last week, we talked about faith. The Bible tells us it is impossible to please God without faith. And so when we are coming against obstacles in our life, why is it that when we have the presence before us, we have direction before us, we've got the blessings of God around us, we have testimonies behind us, we are completely surrounded by God, but yet when the first obstacle comes, we're ready to toss it up in the air and give up. God wants us to have the type of faith that allows a sea to be split so you can walk through it. Why? So you can get glory? No, so that he can. What obstacles are you facing in your life? Where do you need God to make a way in your life today? What types of obstacles are stunting your growth? What types of obstacles are, are causing you to question or to doubt his faithfulness in your life? What type of Red Sea do you need God to split today? In 2009, uh, I was a bachelor and my buddy and I went to a place called Ireland. Okay, Ireland is a fanta- fantastic place to, 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 to go. And we, uh, we wanted to go somewhere crazy, spontaneous. And so we said, hey, let's go to Ireland. And the, cheap, the tickets were unbelievably cheap. And so we picked up a couple tickets and we went to Ireland. Now, if you know anything about me and how I'm wired, I am a planner. I like to plan. I like to have things organized. Isn't that right, youth? I like to have things organized. I like to have things planned. I'm, I'm somewhat, oh, almost a little overzealous in my planning, but we decided that we were gonna go to Ireland with no plan at all, no plan at all. We just, we're just gonna get on the plane and go, which, you know, frustrated me, getting on the plane, frustrated me, right? But I said, okay, let's do this. So we get off the plane in Dublin and we spend three and a half hours at the airport because we don't know what we're doing. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how to exchange money. We don't know where we're staying. At least I had enough sense to buy a round trip ticket from Dublin back to the airport So whenever we get back, because I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of here, right? Thinking ahead. And I went with my buddy Dustin and uh, do you ever have, have you ever had one of those friends who knows every button to push and when to push them? That's the friend I chose to go to Ireland with. Most of my friendship with my buddy Dustin can be defined with frustration, right? Frustration, argument. Uh, If you saw us, Together, you probably like, they are definitely not friends. I mean, it's, it's, it's that type of, it's that type of, uh, of temperament. And on top it off, he is extremely sarcastic, extremely. And I can handle a little bit of sarcasm, but boy, you start tapping up a little bit high there, boy, it starts to really anger me, right? Um, so we didn't have a plan going to Ireland. I made one plan. And uh, the reason I made plan is that when we were looking things up, I knew that Dustin's birthday was going to fall within our trip, and he was looking at this place right here. This place is called Scalig Michael, and it is a, a small little rock island outside of Ireland. And, and most of you here actually may be more familiar with this than you realize, because this would be the place where they filmed The Last Jedi where Luke Skywalker uh, was in his, in his home. This was the place that it, it, it was filmed. And uh, so you might have a little touch point there. I, I remember seeing the closing of that movie and, and immediately texting Dustin. I said, have you seen this? We were, we were literally there. Um, but this place is called Scale Michael. So I had, I had worked up this plan that we were going to get on a bus and we were going to go out there and visit that island. So I did have that one plan, but there was nothing else planned. And let me tell you, I'm going to spare you the details. So much frustration the entire trip, so many back and forth. I mean, just I, we may or may not throwing things at each other. It was crazy. So anyway, so we get to we get toward the end of our trip, which is where Dustin's birthday is, and uh, and I've got this plan. And the night before, we go find a hostel and we go and 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 get settled in. And I tell him, okay, here's the deal. Tomorrow I've got a present for you because it's your birthday, and we're going to go out and see Scandal Michaels. So he was like, oh, that's great. That's cool. Okay. So we go, we go to bed, we get up the next morning and I am, okay, now planner Kevin has stepped in, right? Okay. I'm ready. Let's, let's go. We've got, we, we've got, we've got to get going. And, um, and because of the nature of our friendship, you know, it, it took me about five minutes to sniff out that because I needed to get up and go, he was taking his time on purpose. And so he was taking his time and he was going, he was like, ah, you know, and I was just, you know, and I, oh. Left a little detail out. I had made a resolve with myself that I was going to be as kind as I could to Dustin the next day, okay, on his birthday, all right? So I'm standing out there and I'm like, we are literally going to have to run, literally run uh, to go. And he comes down these steps like, okay, I'm ready to go. So we take off and I'm literally, we are running. And we're running across cobblestone paths and all these things to try to get across the town to where the bus is supposed to meet us. And when we get, we get about, uh, a third of the way there, I look across the way and I see the bus that we're supposed to get on and it is starting to back out. Now, if you know something else about if you know me well, you know I am going to make a way that we are going to get on that bus. Now, a lot of people would have hung it up right there. Oh, well, darn, we missed the bus, right? No, I drop my bag in the middle of the road and I make a V-line and I take off. And I am jumping like a crazy man, waving my arms, running, 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 running. And he stops. Now, one thing about the pe- Irish people, they are extremely kind. And so they, uh, I'm running and he stops and I get on the bus. I'm out of breath. I'm explaining, not explaining the whole thing, but say, hey, we got a ticket. We, we, can you hold on for us? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Go on and get your ticket because we had to go to the little station. So I get off the bus and I'm just so excited that we're going to be able to go. And I go over to the ticket place. To, to exchange and, and get, the, get the ticket that we had on reserve. And I get it. And all the time in my mind, I'm thinking, Dustin has picked up my bag and he has walked it over to the bus stop, right? Okay, I mean, this is, this is take obviously a, a reasonable line of thinking. So, yes. And so I, uh, I, get, I get out of the ticket booth and I look up. My bag is still in the middle of the road and he is sitting on a bench right next to it and i'm like what is going on and so i start screaming he can't hear i mean it's a distance he can't really hear me so i try to sort of jog and i'm looking at the bus and i'm like going and i'm screaming at him what are you doing let's go let's go and he's just standing there looking at me like he's not moving and so i'm looking back at the bus i literally don't know what to do and i'm just so i, I i'm starting to run over to see what's going on and as i get right close to him the bus honks, and then takes off. And I look at him, I'm like, what's going on? He said, that scene that you just made, that's too embarrassing for me. I'm not going on that bus. Oh. I don't know how to punch people in the face. <laughs> but that was the closest I've ever come to wanting to punch somebody in the face. And so, and so we're going to scale like Michael. So I flagged down a cab. I've already paid for the bus. Flagged down a cab. Paid four times the amount to go in the cab to get us to Scalig Michael. We end up going out, get on the boat. There's about eight of us on the boat. We, we do the tour. It was great. It was wonderful. We came back. It's about four o'clock. We're hungry. We want to eat. There's a little cafe in the place where you exchange your tickets in Port McGee. And uh, so we, we, eat a, we eat a bite and then we go out. We've had a good day. We go out to the bus stop and we sit down. And as we're sitting there and we're talking about the day, I look up and I notice the last bus comes at four o'clock. We've missed our bus. Now, Port McGee is tiny, tiny, tiny. It has a lighthouse. It's got this little cafe that we were in that just closed. And they have about four or five other buildings there. I don't know if they were businesses or whatever. Everybody's gone. I mean, like ghost ghost town. I mean, five o'clock, they were out. And I'm sitting there and I realize we've missed our bus, which I would have known had we ridden the bus in the first place. And so I tell Dustin, I'm like, we've missed our bus. And he laughs in my face and he says, well, happy birthday to me. So I literally don't know what to do because we everything that I see is hills and grass and fields. There's nothing. There's Zippo, nothing. There's no people around. And so I stand up and grab my bag and I start walking away. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I guess I'm going to start walking. I don't know what else to do. And And then sarcasm, sarcasm. I'm an idiot. All these things. Okay. So we're walking, and I am just literally so frustrated. And we're walking, and I, we're, and it's it's now about maybe five thirty. The sun is gonna, the sun is going to set. Our airplane leaves in less than twelve hours. I've got two and a half hour trip by car to get to Dublin, where we are. And I'm here walking, and I'm stranded. And I literally started to pray, and I said, God, you are going to have to make a way. And I from, I prayed from that place. You know how you got to place a prayer because you got a plan B? I didn't have a plan B. So, I mean, I'm praying from like the pit. Like, I don't know how to miss your plane in a foreign country. I don't know, I don't know what, I don't, I, Where are we going to do when the sun goes down and we're in the middle of these hills and we're, and it's literally, I'm distraught and almost to the point of tears, whilst Dustin behind me is just singing limericks and singing out loud of how wonderful his life is because of his idiot friend who took him on this adventure. And so I'm walking and I'm praying to God and God drops in my spirit and says, I will get you out of this if Dustin asks me. So I just kept praying because that certainly wasn't the Lord. And I just kept praying and praying and pushing and, tr- and going forward. And he just kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. I'll get you out of this if Dustin asks me. And as I would continue to go forward, he would get louder. I would get more frustrated until finally I stooped down and I grabbed a stone and I turned around. Now, Dustin probably thought I was about to chip this at his face, which is what I wanted to do. But I took, and he, we had made some distance and I, worship team, you can come on out. I, I started to take a, uh, a V-line toward him and I walked right up to him and I grabbed his hand and I put the stone in his hand and I said, listen, God said he'll get us out of this if you will pray and ask. And he laughed in my face. He laughed in my face. Oh, the Christian boy is now ready to pray. So I turned around and I'm telling you, I was all sorts of upset. I was angry with God. I was angry, I was humiliated. I was confused, I was hopeless. I was everything that you could think of. And as Dustin just continued to sing, I just continued to walk forward. And I just, I was every bit of emotion that you can think of. And I was going forward and going for about five minutes. And about five minutes of walking, I felt like because maybe I was walking so fast, the distance between Dustin and me had grown that I couldn't hear him shouting at me anymore, the sarcastic things he was yelling out. And as I was walking, all of a sudden, this car pulls up beside me. And I look in it and Dustin's in the back seat. And so I grab my bag and I get in and I, I'm sitting down. and I have no idea what's going on or how this happened. There was nothing. I'm telling you, it was a sheep in a hill and nothing else. I mean, that's all that was around us. And... I looked at Dustin and he looked at me and then he looked down at the seat. And as I looked down at the seat, his hand was in the seat and he had the stone that I gave him because he had asked the Lord to help. And to this day, that moment has been pivotal in his walk of knowing that God is who he says he is. God wasn't concerned of whether I made it to Dublin on time. He knows how to take care of me. But he had a special divine appointment for Dustin, my friend. And it took me getting over my frustration. It took me facing my anger, my frustration, my confusion. And being able to walk in obedience to the Lord and confront the ridicule. How many have ever had to confront ridicule following God? And if you will do that, he will be faithful to you if you will be strong enough and have faith enough to stand up and declare, God, you will make a way no matter what this circumstance looks like. And we understand, God, I understand that I'm gonna have to work on some stuff in me as you split this Red Sea. Because not only do you wanna get me on the other side, you wanna do something in me in the journey and in the process, So with those who are going to minister, the elements come forward this morning and I'm gonna let you guys start as soon as you get ready. Let's go ahead and start this process because I wanna do something real quick. Hebrews 4, we learn that Jesus, in Hebrews 4, we learn that Jesus is the high priest and because of who he is, We get to go before this throne of grace with confidence, boldly asking Him for mercy and grace in our time of need. I'm asking you church today, what is it that you need? What type of way do you need God to make? What type of declaration do you need to make over your life and over your family's life? And today as we take communion, we're gonna remember that the only reason that we get to stand before God and make any type of declaration is because what we're about to do here and remembering what he did at the cross, and the band is going to reprise the song Waymaker. And as we close out today, this is what I want us to do. I know that we don't have prayer warriors up here. There'll probably be some out there in the out there in the courtyard afterward. But as we declare you are way maker, you are miracle worker, you are promise keeper, begin to think about the declarations that you need to make in your life and over your family's lives. And let's begin to see God work because guys, I'm gonna tell you there's gonna be a point when I'm gonna need your testimony as one of the testimonies behind me as I'm looking at his presence in front of me, right? To be able to walk forward in faith so that he can split the Red Sea that's in front of me. Are you with me?